everyone. This podcast is brought to you by Global Shop Solutions ERP Software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, always always by the great group of clients, the wonderful Stone Hanson. And uh, we're here to talk with the next in our series of guests here, talk to Minnesota Timberwolves, who had a really fun season, I think. That's the best way to describe it. Um, they were a fun team to watch. It really got to see some young players kind of come into their own and take the reins. It was really fun. And there's no one else we'd rather have on to talk about them than the great Zach Noble, the host of the Noble and Roos show, which is, you know, part of Ball is Life, which is obviously one of the bigger basketball conglomerates out there. So feels like we're big time now having you on the show. Zach, my friend, how you doing? It means a lot, guys. Um, always fun chatting with you on the timeline. So good to see your faces and get a good conversation going. But um, yeah, nothing I'd rather talk about than the Timberwolves and an exciting draft coming up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as as Coop goes to probably take care of his dog. Um, yeah, this is this is very exciting. I'm I'm really I think the rules are super funky and, and fun. And there's a lot of different places they can go after this sort of I think what someone calls surprising season. So I'm really excited to get into it. But before we do, Coop Stone, my friends, how you doing? Uh, doing well, man. Uh, excited to wrap up the night talking with Zach. Um, always enjoy uh, his stuff. He, he started sending me stuff and I was like, I had never heard of this podcast before. And then he never even had to really send it to me anymore through DMs. I just started listening. Uh, I love their player interviews and stuff like that. So uh, I'm excited to have him on. Appreciate that. Yeah, sorry. I uh, I thought my dog was puking. Um, that's we usually do not have. Hey, pup, that, pups that, come first, man. Yeah. Uh, don't don't need dog puke on the couch. That would be a disaster. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is going to be a great episode. Uh, fun team, great guest. Uh, I I know Roosh kind of well. Uh, we interact a, a solid amount, and I've listened to y'all's show, subscribed, and everything. Uh, so this is going to be a really fun episode. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, I'm hyped. Uh, let's just dive right into it. As I mentioned, Timberwolves, sort of a, a funky season, I think, really found um, found their stride uh, down the down the down the path. And it there were some ups and downs, but they ended up, of course, you know, getting the seventh seed and they gave the Grizzlies a run for their money. I mean, there was a time where it really looked like they were going to win. I think just in general, like beating that Clippers team, I think was a positive, just a lot of good takeaways from the season. So Zach, how would you kind of describe the Timberwolves season and how do you think they're going to look to build off it? So I'm in the rarity. You can say I was kind of the one at the beginning of the year, go back and listen to my preview pod. I'm going to toot my horn here and I nailed the Timberwolves. Um, But first of all, I mean, funky is the perfect way to describe it. It's you looked at the roster before the season. You just say, this is just messed up and, either believe in the talent or you don't because the pieces didn't fit before the year. And everybody knew that I, I knew it, but like I believed in the individual pieces to exceed the expectations. And so I predicted 45 wins, seventh seed. I had the Clippers behind us. That was one of the picks I nailed. So I like to say the results at the end of the year and what you look at offensive rating, defensive rating stats across the board, that's like verbatim kind of how I saw it before the year, but what wasn't verbatim is the process. And the process was wonky. It was really ugly at times, but it was really fun throughout the whole year just because they're, they're fun players for the most part. I mean, they're unique players, um, fun, loving personalities and Anthony Edwards and 
um, some of the young guys. Um, Cat can really frustrate the hell out of you at times. And other times it's like, dang, this guy's a unicorn. He's super exciting. But yeah, I just thought um, the offense was never as pretty as I thought it could be. And um, the pieces we had, I just didn't think they ever really flowed together. It was just individual talent, like playing really well and good enough at times. And then on the defensive side of things, that's what really surprised me for the most part. Um, we looked really dang good in 20 game stretches at times, 10, 15 game stretches, even in the playoffs. Like we, we locked down Memphis in important moments and we just had a bad quarter or two. I thought we won most of the, the series. I thought we were better team five out of six games. So overall I was, super excited about the season do i say we exceeded expectations for the average for vegas absolutely for me i mean it basically met them that's kind of where i'm at so next year is going to be huge um but i thought this was the most fun i've ever had watching the timberwolves since 0304 even though i was big on the jimmy butler year it's just anthony edwards is a really shining bright spot in my life I mean, Anthony Edwards is the shining bright spot in all our lives, if we're being honest. He is a, I mean, he is a true, like, shooting star. Like, he is such a blast to watch. I had my issues with him as a prospect, but I will 100% admit that I was too low. And I have no problems admitting that, and I'm very happy he's How low are you talking? Well, I, I had him six on my board, Woo! so, yeah, too low. Too low, right? Anything, <laughs> honestly, right there. anything below two is too low, right? Like, right. and even I, I'd make the argument at this point that you probably take Ant over Lamelo. I think that's probably still an argument, but uh, anything you, below you two is too low. Guys. Like, I, I think Ant is really, uh, I mean, the path to superstar is real, right? He is top. I mean, he might be like pound for pound, like literally pound for pound because he's fucking massive, the best athlete in the NBA. Like. Yeah. You know, in terms of burst and uh, ability to change directions, change pace, he's gotten really good at that. Like, that was a negative at Georgia. He's gotten really good at being able to slow down and speed back up. Just really functional, funky, elite athlete. Um, and, and I think that does kind of take me to the core in general, which I think, I think you know, right now, Cat is is the guy, right? I, I Everyone knows that Cat is the star on the team, but I think Ant is – right there on his heels and then that third guy D'Lo kind of a funky fit right now maybe with the three of them as you mentioned Zach so what do you think of each of them individually what do you think of their potential fit together what do you think like like do you think that's a core you can build around or do you think there needs to be some changes to it so one of my main goals at the beginning of the year is just to find what pieces are the long-term pieces and what guys we want to stick around who fits together and Honestly, that's one of the unfortunate parts about the year. We really didn't get those answers. Um, I just didn't think we ever had long enough stretches that these guys are meant to be together and these guys are great fits. Yeah, we got a looming cat max extension coming up. And do I think we should offer him the bag? Yeah, we should. But um, I'm not like overzealous about it. I'm not just jacked up to give him that because I'm not the biggest cat guy in the world, even though I think he's a great talent. I think he's a top 20, 25 player, but I've always said this and I still believe it today. I don't think he can ever be a number one option on a championship team, let alone maybe even a conference finals team. But do I think Anthony Edwards is trending that way? Yes. Then the next question is, can Cat and Ant coexist? Can Ant be the number one option or 1A versus 1B? And honestly, I, I'm 
not sold on that yet. I truly think uh, Ant deferred to Cat most of the year, and he, which is really respectable and cool to see that he just kind of just fit in and played whenever the team needed and how the team needed Ant, and it was just a natural progression. He didn't like force very much, and even though he did force plenty of shots, that's one of his negatives. Um, he still takes plenty of bad shots, but that's because he's catering to Carl and trying to figure out how he can best fit around Carl. And so the Timberwolves, I think, are at their best when Ant's rolling and when he's the number one option. That's when we've had the most success and um, our ceiling as a team. But it's really hard to figure out that happy medium and how they can coexist and just get the ball movement a lot better. The ball movement wasn't great, really, for more than a three-game stretch throughout the entire year, I'd say. Yeah, I definitely think that's that's a big thing. And and the thing is also going to be, you know, you mentioned the defense being surprising this year. And I think I think that's the big positive for me with having Kat and, and Edwards as your sort of top two talent is it's is it's a different but kind of similar version to Stephen Clay, where you can have like super limited offensive players around them and still be a competent offense and sure. really have them buy into defense. And I think um I think that's kind of what they've done and i think they've done it pretty well i mean jared vanderbilt becoming a who i think he should have been you know like like he's a high level defender to me he's a top 10 15 defender in the nba Jaden mcdaniels i think is going to be a really good defender pat bev great defender even noel like jalen noel like has his moments as a defender he's at least big and athletic and um he communicates well he has his issues but um like like what do you think uh, a team sort of built around those two and then also kind of including D'Lo because I do think he's probably around for the long term as well at least uh, at least that's my prediction like what do you think a team around those guys should look like so D'Lo being really the only expiring like there's plenty of rumors swirling that Finch isn't sold on him either I mean he went away from him for Jordan McLaughlin at the end of the year in the playoffs a little bit which is telling I mean Jordan McLaughlin's arguably our eighth through 11th man at times and yeah he looks really good at times but he's definitely not better than like a Tyus Jones or something like that um and D'Angelo Russell we're paying 30 million to right now and we traded away two borderline all-star players potentially in Kaminga I think he's gonna be I think Kaminga is that good uh but yeah it was a deal that needed to be done I don't think um people gave D'Lo the credit for being a great player he was on the year. I thought he was arguably our most valuable player throughout the year. He was our closer. And uh, he just tailed off in the playoffs, didn't do jack shit. It was pretty bad. Um, so people were hard on him in the playoffs, deservedly so, but like he didn't get the credit he deserved in the regular season. So, I mean, there's a happy medium there. I'm not sold on him long-term. And the reason why I don't like those three together, I mean, the defensive potential. I mean, you have to have the perfect fits around them. I mean, Pat Bev and Jaden are going to be two all defensive guys for a couple more years and Pat Bev. And then Jaden's, I think he's already going to be next year. It's just, are those the guys that are going to work around those other three? I'm not sold on that. I think we need one more high level defender with Anton cat. So I don't know, maybe like a Malcolm Brogdon instead of D'Lo, somebody like that. Um, there's plenty of options I have written down and whatnot, but I don't know how far you guys want to get into that. Uh, it's, it's just tough. It's defense for me. Cause I, I think Ant can become 
a more positive defender. Uh, I just, I don't know who to compare him to defensively. Maybe like a Devin Booker. I like Booker's defense in that Phoenix scheme. Uh, it's definitely not a negative. It's more, a lot more positive than me. Uh, but I don't see it getting much better than that. Where Cat, I, I still don't really believe in his defense. And we haven't ever seen the perfect fit next to him. I mean, we had to go away from Vanderbilt and Cat pairing forever. I mean, that didn't last long. Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's interesting to see what they do there. I'm with you where Ants, you know, I, I feel like the defensive ceiling is not that high, but um just getting better rotationally would be huge. I think he is actually really solid on the ball already. He's just like he's kind of lost out there sometimes. Yeah. Like he's just pretty he's still pretty rough in rotations. And it's not that he's over gambling anymore, like he did that a ton at Georgia. I don't think he's he's like over gambling, he's just a kind of a half step behind the play. And in yeah. the NBA, a half step is is a wide open dunk or a wide open three, and that's all that takes. So, um, I do want to talk really quickly about the young core, and then we'll talk about holes, and, and you can hit on trade scenarios too. But I, I really like like a lot of the young talent on this team. You know, Jay Vando. I, I don't know if he still counts as young. He's young in my heart. Nas Reed, I think, is at least funky. Jaden McDaniel's absolutely my son. I love him to death. Jalen Noel as well. Yeah. You know, two UW guys, I obviously don't like UW, but uh, I, I do love me some <laughs> Seattle boys. So, um, Leandro Polmaro, I know is Stone's guy. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin, I think, has moments. Like, what do you think of that sort of young core coming in? Like, do you think do you think there's two other starters next to that top three or, you know, whoever they get in replace of Dilo, Or do you think there's still, like, a major hole that needs to be filled there? So I'm honest to hear your outsider opinion on those other guys you mentioned, but for me, the only guys like I'm sold on building the future of this team around right now is Ant, Jaden, and Pat Bev. But Pat Bev is on a one-year deal right now, and he's 33 years old. So I don't really, you can't really bank on that. I mean, he's a perfect fit around anyone in my estimation, and I think he's going to be for three to four more years, and he's a culture changer for sure. But who knows what the situation for Bev is. He's got a great contract, really tradable. Uh, but other than that, I mean, the only guy you really mentioned that I like is I've, I've been huge on Jalen Noel since the draft. I had a first-round grade on him. I was begging for him to get more minutes earlier than he did. But um, when he did in midway this year and a little bit towards the end, he looked great. I mean, I thought he was a better option than Beasley. I think he can do a lot more with the ball. I think he's a lot more team-oriented player system guy versus Beasley. It's either he's hot or cold. I mean, it's make or miss league like Malik Beasley likes to play in. And I, I, I think Noel has a little more defensive potential, even though I'm not high on his defense either. I just like his shot creation, um, his pull-up game, and, I mean, maybe some playmaking to unlock there. Maybe a little bit. Um, he's definitely a lot more intelligent of a player than Beasley, and I think he's on a – much more friendly deal coming up for his next one. Uh, but yeah, Malik Beasley would be probably the number one guy to look in the move with D'Angelo. Everybody else though, like this, this roster could look completely different to me next year. Yeah. I, I find that really interesting. And, and uh, we'll move on to that in a sec, but I do want to ask Coop and Stone sort of what they feel about this young core. I, I really enjoy it. Like I said, like, I really think Noel could be like a starter if he just, if he just really locks in defensively. Um, I think there's that upside there. He could be like that's that sixth man type. I always hate I always hate to use that because I think sixth man is sort of a misnomer, but I think he could kind of be that type of guy. And 
Uh, obviously, McDaniels, I love. I mean, I've watched Jaden McDaniels since he was in eighth grade. Like that dude is, uh, he's he's insane, man. And and watched him at Federal Way, watched him with Seattle Rotary. Just, it's been awesome to watch him improve. And you know, I think that year at UW was really rough. And something I give kudos to um, the the uh, the Timberwolves for is just their ability to kind of not overthink that stuff. You know, yep. Jaden McDaniels is there at twenty eight. Okay, we'll take that. Jalen Noel's there at 40. Perfect. He's, you know, is he a great fit? Maybe not. Do we have an immediate role for him? Maybe not. But, uh, you know, he's clearly a talent and we think we can develop him. And if he hits, like, those are guys too. Like, if they hit, you're hitting big. Like, for sure. Like, Jaden McDaniels becoming what he is and what I think he's going to become, like, that's like the perfect for next to Cap. Like, if you let's hear it. Like, how good do you think Jane can get? Because I think for sure, like, you know, long time starter. I mean, I'm willing to go a little bit further than that as a high end starter. Um, but I just, it's, he still needs minutes. I mean, he only got 25.8 last year, which is definitely a step up. I think if he knows his role and he knows the shots he's getting, I believe he can get up to like 38% from three and maybe even higher. I, I believe in the shot, but like, he's a guy I just don't think is a plug and play guy. Um, especially as he develops here, he's got to know what system he's playing in. He's got to know what is his role on the offensive end to unlock those abilities. Yeah. I I definitely think there's still some work to be done, but you know, you're asking for like a ceiling. I think for me, it would be like, like, I think he's a guy who could swing a playoff series with his defense and, and his specific fit on, on certain teams. Like there are very few guys in the league who are as good of backside rim protectors as Jaden McDaniels is. And if you have Cat, like, and Cat's going to play, like, you can't, like, it's not like Jonas Valanciunas, like, where you can just not play him in a playoff series. Like, you have to play Cat. You have to find a way to get him on the floor. There is no more important skill. So that's, for me, that's the upside with McDaniels is that he can swing a playoff series for this team. Uh, Stone, I know you love Leandro Bomaro. Uh, If you want to wax poetic about him real fast, go ahead. And, and just any other thoughts on this young core in general? Uh, I love Balmero. I think that in time he can be a significant piece, probably more likely for their second unit. But um, I, I do think that he has in him to become an actual like productive, positive NBA player as a change of pace guy. Very, very crafty. Um, I think he's a very good decision maker and somebody that can, for stretches, run bits of your offense. Um very good at changing pace and uh, can put pressure on the rim uh, and has developed over the years as a shooter. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm very much alone in how much I do love Balmero, but uh, I do, <laughs> I it. see, I see a path for him. So. Hey, who was um, the, who was the Clipper point guard like two or three years ago? Is it Milos Teodosic? Yeah. yeah Milos. Are those similarities there? That's kind of what I'm feeling. I mean, I really <laughs> liked him. I don't know how he, escaped from the nba i thought he was very underrated but um he just disappeared like no other <laughs> yeah uh I, I think milos is probably just on another level as a passer like uh he, he's yeah, one but... of the yeah, one of the better passers ever but uh no nah, i think i think balmero is uh he, he's still got it in him and i think he can be a bit of a there's a path for him to be a, a neutral at least defensively um, and as for the core, like as a whole, uh, I mean, I've loved Vin for a long, long time and really happy to see him become what he has. Uh, you know, I, I thought 
er, earlier in his career, he'd be more of like this guy who can handle the ball a bit more and, and be more of like sort of this forward who can make plays on the ball, what he showed more of in, in college, but he's become uh, a lot more than that as a defender um, and very important to this team. Uh, and obviously McDaniels too is, is just uh, honestly sort of a similar vein, but um, is so good defensively. Like th- there's a, a real case to be made that he like, was worthy of an all defensive selection him and Vanderbilt honestly this season um so having those two guys is is really cool to have as part of your core moving forward uh and not a lot of other teams have that level of defense between two guys yeah I'm sold on Jaden next to Cat if he can bulk up about 20 more pounds and play stronger more physical against the guys Cat can't guard but Vando it really disappointed me um how we had to go away from him and Cat because I beginning of the year, I was so all about that pairing and I thought it was going to be the pairing of the future, but I don't believe in it whatsoever anymore. Yeah. I think, you know, the tough thing with, with Vanderbilt is that he's still, you know, he can't really shoot. And as much as we think like spacing five means you can play a four who can't shoot. Like it's also cat is like a high usage driver. Like he really likes to get downhill and it's hard when he's getting downhill and there's someone in the dunker spot and uh, who's, who's someone in the dunker spot who's not really like a real threat in the dunker spot. So it's just, you know, figuring out more of a, a role offensively, I think is important for Vanderbilt. Coop, do you have any thoughts on this sort of young core before I move on? Uh, Just, I love Vanderbilt, uh, Houston guy. I love him to death. Rebounding machine, little guy, like little things, menace. Uh, You know, you talked about uh, like ants, Pbev and Jaden McDaniels, kind of your like your guys that you are like a hundred percent sold on wanting to stay in the long run. I think Vanderbilt makes some sense if to just hold on to if you move on oh, from Cat. Three million like, for the next couple of yeah, years. Yeah, no, he's, he's one of the best value contracts in the league. There's no denying yeah, despite, that. Despite despite fit or anything, yeah. like because worst case you completely stagger him and Vanderbilt gives you basically effectively backup five minutes. Uh, it's just they have a lot of those deals. They have a lot of these, a lot of these guys are on cheaper deals that make team building pretty easy around them. Uh, it's just, I mean, like, like you said about cat, you also have the preeminent uh, young paint touches guard in Anthony Edwards that also makes it pretty tough whenever you have somebody like Jared Vanderbilt in the paint Uh Maybe you could play around with that with some scheming, some more screening from, from Bando. But, uh, I mean, we'll see how his fit with a lot of the different core pieces works going forward. But just somebody that you love to have around no matter what. Yeah, no, I'm I'm all in keeping Vando around. His contract's way too good. You don't need to play him with Cat. You can space him out. He's just a good energy guy off the bench too. Um, or if Cat's, I mean, injured, what have you he just brings a lot of value. I mean, he's one of our few really good defensive players, but uh, one thing you mentioned, I mean, cat being a spacing five is like a lot of people forget cats, not shooting the three ball. Like he did two, three years ago, or even at the beginning of the year, man, when we were dominating this year and when the wolves were at their best cat was owning down low, like he was dominating in the paint. So it's like, you got another guy in the dunker spot clogging things up and then Ant trying to get there as well. And they're just running into each other ass over heels and it just gets ugly um so that's it's a tough situation like you got this unicorn guy that can shoot 44 percent from three but he's also better down low (laughs) 
Yeah, and that's, you know, sort of the, the funny thing about NBA offense, right, is it's never as simple as, as it might look on paper. Um, that does take me to uh, just sort of the holes to fill with this team. And, and Zach, if you want to talk about trade scenarios here involving D'Lo, I think that would be great as well. Or, or even involving the 19th pick, um, the, the Wolves have the 1940 and 48th pick. But there's definitely some holes to fill on this roster, right? Like, they were good, but they weren't great. You know, they were a seven-seed you know, for a reason, and, and there's still some work to be done. And some of that, I think, is going to come from development, specifically from Ant truly hitting that, like, all-star um, type of, of becoming that all-star type of player. But I just think there's there's some stuff on the roster that can be addressed. So, Zach, what are the holes, and what do you think the paths to fill those holes are? I mean, the major hole is just defense. I mean, there's no way we can get above a top-10 defense with the roster that as constructed right now. There's no way. And um, – Literally, unless you have LeBron or KD, I mean, you need a top six defense to win a championship these days. Um, and that's ultimately the goal uh, for any franchise, or it should be. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it's just finding guys that are intelligent and high IQ players that know how to share the ball and play within a system. And because, I mean, unless you have a top five, seven player, which Timberwolves are really far from right now, you got to have a system. You got to have players that fit and work together and make a cohesive unit. Um, so really, I mean, like the IQ on this team isn't very high right now. It's They're probably one of the lower IQ teams in the league, let's be honest. Um, I'm trying to think even who I'd consider a high IQ player on the team. I mean, Pat Bev, maybe, doubtful. I don't know. Who would you guys throw out there? Because everybody I think of is pretty average or below average IQ on this t- roster. So um, that that's a big part of it, even though like Milwaukee Bucks last year, I thought were the dumbest, most talented championship team of all time, but they also had the best player in the league. So that's kind of the cheat code there. Um, and they had guys that were excellent defenders. So whether they were really dumb on offense, they were incredibly intelligent on defense as well. Uh, so Holes, I mean, obviously find somebody that can fit with Cat is the biggest one. Um, and then figuring out a combo with Ant as well. I mean, it's those guys, I, I definitely don't think we're moving Cat anytime soon. Cat's like Mr. Timberwolf. He's all in. Seems like he'll sign that piece of paper as soon as we put it in front of him. I'd be shocked if he didn't. Uh, just there hasn't been any smoke that he'd want to test the waters or not doesn't get along with ant or anything like that so guys i had in mind realistic or not um jonathan isaac pascal siakam jeremy grant chris boucher uh dorian finney smith royce o'neill uh monty morris roco but he just signed so cross that one off uh harrison barnes josh hart miles turner yakum mitch rob bamba Capella. I mean, those are the types that I had in mind. Yeah, there's definitely some interesting names on that list for sure. Like, like you said, Josh Hart, my my brain like like just immediately went to work because I just think he's um he's he has like an interesting contract with the 12 million. I think um the Timberwolves could act as a potential facilitator uh in a Jeremy Grant to the like Portland Trailblazers trade where Josh Hart is kind of the prize mm, they're getting something like that. So I think that's like that's like a fun one. I I don't think it necessarily needs to be like a star, right? Like you, right. like like you know Pascal Siakam you mentioned, like that'd be great. It's probably a little higher level. 
you know, is if OG and Anobi's like actually available and you can get your hands on him, like oh, that would be incredible. Yeah, yeah. Like you talk about wanting to fix our defense. Well, running out Jaden McDaniels and OG and Anobi as your three, four is definitely going to, that's going to help that out. So I, I think like that would be a great one. Um, so I, I, there's some bunk to be had here. And I think that's something to consider as we're talking about the picks, but that does take me to the 19th pick, which I think is, an interesting spot to be in this draft because as we've talked about on here before, it feels like this draft is really flat. And it I think there's going to be some talent that could fall to 19 and specifically talent that could fit well with the Timberwolves. Um, I, I have some guys in mind, but trying to think mostly of, of most realistic at first rather than kind of our dream picks. Um, Coop, I'll throw this to you first. Uh, do you have any names that kind of stand out? You know, if you give me two that are like this, these guys seem like like they're realistically in this range that I think would be great picks. Uh, well, someone who I am pretty sure will be here would be Christian Coloco. Uh, you talked about wanting a defensive big. Uh, Coloco is the, my favorite big that's not Durin or Chet by, a, by like a huge landslide. Uh, Damn, I'm glad I joined this pod. Enlighten me, my brother. So uh, I, I, I'm like I get to do this. I'd love doing the, the Coloco spiel. He is the best screener out of every single big in the draft by far he is the only one who understands what screening is he's switchy he can guard he can slide with some fours some forwards some wings uh he has great rim protecting instincts great weak side instincts he played the four and the five at arizona so he's able to do a little bit of both play next to bang down low bigs great interior passer and he's really quick off the floor so he can do stuff like catching lobs he's a great finisher he can actually be a threat from the dunker spot in that way because he can get so high so quick. He's long, he's lanky. He's kind of the, I, I just describe him as the perfect modern five. He does all the little stuff. He does all the big stuff that you want your big to do. Uh, just super easy to see his translation. And I think just because he doesn't have these, the same measurables as a lot of guys, he's kind of lower on boards, but he's someone who I think fits perfectly with what the Timberwolves are trying to do uh, as a defender next to cat. Uh, allows you to get a little bit funkier with what you're trying to run there. Uh, I love it. It's just awesome. I love it. No, I, you definitely sold me a lot more on that. I'll tell you that. But when you said the only thing that really threw me off is perfect modern five, and yet he doesn't shoot the three really. I mean, do you think there's any well, shot there whatsoever? I mean, or? my, my favorite thing is uh, the, the combine numbers tell you he'll shoot the three. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Mark uh, no. Williams. No, <laughs> I think he has, he has solid enough free throw indicators, but he is a little bit older. Uh, I think he's someone who can space it out to the mid range right now. Kind of like the free throw line. He's not going much further than that, but he occupies space really well in like a, the best, you know, in the only way that a rim runner really can, right? Like he understands how to cut into space, how to use it how to actually move in an offense where he doesn't just look lost all the time. He's super purposeful with his movements. He's sprinting into everything. Uh, and then, yeah, you can sometimes hit, you know, a free throw line jumper. So maybe you can ex extend that out to the corner if you really just want him like sitting out there, but you really just want him running around as a screener, a handoff guy, because his passing is also really slept on. Okay. I was going to ask you about his passing. Do you, do you fully believe in his strength though? The strength is probably the one area where he needs to needs to get bigger. But what is an NBA team good for if not 
bulking up a, a guy who's too skinny. I just don't think a guy fit next to cat. We have time to wait on that. You know, um, I think he, and- he handles, he handles bigger guys pretty well. I think that he handled, he like, he, he's not getting killed. He's not super, he's not like a little stick. I think that's just like the one nit that you can really pick with his defense at the moment. I think he handles it really well for his weight, but it's not like, like not everyone's perfect. <laughs> no doubt. So I'll my say, last question, yeah. my last question on him would be, I'm getting way too many Daniel Arturo vibes. And he's one guy I was really high on, but I will tell you, Daniel Arturo never got his real shot in the NBA. So can you really be wrong about somebody if they don't get their shot? And uh, where, where are the vibes wrong there? I, I'm not the Daniel Oturu expert. I cannot give you the, the reason. I think Stone was high on Arturo. Stone, weren't you? Stone. Uh, but is very, very out on Oturu. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will throw you under there with me. I'm just yeah. don't want to drown alone. I think, um, I think something, you know, you mentioned like spacing five and, and I, I feel like it's sort of a, a, a complex term because I think there's a lot of, like threes who or bigs who will shoot at three, but it doesn't actually help your spacing at all because teams will just kind of let them do it. Like um, I, my my like shooting comp for uh, Christian Coloco is Dwayne Dedman. If you consider cool. Dwayne Dedman like an actual shooting five, then I think Coloco can do that. If there if we you go, consider him what I, like I I don't actually like Dedman shoots. I want to say it's like two and a half threes per 36 minutes and doesn't get closeouts. And if he does get a closeout, he can't attack it. So it doesn't really matter. So yeah, I, it's a good I, one. I think Coloco can, or I, yeah, I think Coloco can do that, but um, the day that stands out to me, and I'll say too, like whoever the Wolves draft at 19, like, I think there's a very real chance they don't really play early on or yeah, if they do, it's, yeah. it's kind of limited minutes. So unless uh, we do get a big time steal, which you did mention, yeah. I believe there's going to be polished players at that number yeah absolutely and one of those guys that stands out to me is marjan bochamp uh yes. just continuing to uh you know add those pnw boys because you know i love it and i think that specifically bochamp's fit here is really solid um i think he's kind of the the bigger longer better bet to shoot version of josh kogi um and i think that actually like that's because Akogi, like, is I almost his, threw up. No, his, his, threw up. It, well, his defense is so good. He's just so right. bad at everything else. But Marjon is like good at defense. And actually, like, I think there's some latent shot making upside. I think he can, I think he can really shoot. I think those the G League numbers were uh rough because his like his path to the G League was so whack. I mean, going from chameleon chameleon XL to YVC, which is like like, you know, I I wanted to try and play college at YBC. So like kind of, you know, not even like a different world and into the G League. Like it's just it's such a like wild ramp up and down in, in talent level. So I, I think that kind of explains some of the numbers. I think he's going to shoot. Um, I really like the defense. I think the cutting is great. And I think having good cutters on this team is important because, as you mentioned, like there's just not a lot of action sometimes and just having someone who is going to do something more than sit in the corner is going to actively run the baseline and and you know understand okay cat's going to drop two here so i'm going to attack the middle and i'm going to try and get a dunk i think he's really athletic i just think bochamp is someone who i think is in this range who i think is underrated like i i have bochamp is pretty much a lottery guy and i think that i'd love him i'd love him here at 19 
Uh, and then I also think Jalen Williams from not the Arkansas one, the Santa Clara one. There we go. Thank would be a would be a fun fit. I really like him in general. Defense needs some work, but I think he can really shoot, and I think he can be a kind of playmaker on this team. You would talk about increasing feel, just general awareness. I think he'd immediately step in and be really high level positional feel type guy who uh, just does a lot of things well uh, positionally. I think he can play the one or the two, maybe even the three, like he's long. So maybe even the three. Uh, so I, I just think those are two guys that kind of stand out to me. Zach, do you have any names that, that pop to you as guys you'd like to see here at 19? So first of all, like Coloco, I mean, I'm really glad I came on the pod to just get those, those spiels on Coloco and Bochamp. Uh, I think both those guys would be great in the second round. I really do. And for the Timberwolves, like I think Bochamp is a great fit. I just, would need him to be able to shoot the ball. The Timberwolves need desperately need more shooting, um, especially if we're going to get rid of Malik Beasley. Um, we, yeah, we need more shooting, but you need it to come with defense as well, which is really tough um, unless you're going to go get a polished player out there or you just get really lucky with somebody dropping. Um, I do think Bochamp could finish in probably the top 13, 12, maybe even top 10 of this draft eventually, but I just don't think he's that polished. Like, I think he's going to take a lot of time. And I don't know, like, like you said, you don't think a guy coming in at 19 is probably going to get time unless they are actually polished. Um, and Timberwolves need players that are ready sooner than later. Um, if I just, I still think if we're going to buy in on Cal, we're going to throw him the max super max. Um, he wants to keep winning. And Pep Beverly, all he does is win. He hasn't missed the playoffs ever. Not saying any decision we ever make is concerning Pat Beverly. No, I'm just saying Pat Beverly being on the roster, Anthony Edwards getting better like I think he is, we're going to keep winning. So we want to add pieces that helps elevate that winning. And we don't have time to have guys develop like projects. Uh, Coloco, might, if we could get him in the second round, might be a better fit. But a dream for me uh, – to be honest, it would be an ultimate dream. I'm higher on this guy than about anybody, but Ochai dropping. I mean, that would be the, the ultimate dream, but I don't see that happening. I do think a guy like Walker Kessler would be more polished than Coloco, even though Coloco's got a great chance to be a much better NBA player. I'm just saying Walker could come in and give us more we need right away. And he might even be a reach at 19. I like Malachi Branham. Um, I, I think he, I believe in his shot a little more in his shot creation. Uh, other than that though, like a guy like Ty Ty Washington, I mean, I, I have him at 11 or 12 and I think, uh, he'd be an upgrade from Jordan McLaughlin for sure. And he's got starter potential in this league. I think there's a legit shot. He could fall to that range. That wouldn't shock me, but, uh, Jeremy Sohan. Kendall Brown, those types are guys I'm looking at. I'm a, I'm a wing heavy dude. I love um, Brown here, man. I, I'm a huge, huge Kendall Brown guy. I'm very okay. high at Kendall Brown. I love, that. I love him here at 19. Just again, like increasing athleticism and positional feel. Like talk about checking the two boxes. Obviously, the shooting's a question, but I think I I think he'll in time shoot and and just getting someone who can run like that, who can push the pace. I think he's a really like I, I think he's a top five passer in this class. Like I think his passing Hell is yeah. still underrated. And I just 
I think having him like playing off of Ant, like in the short role, finding Cat, uh, you know, in in uh transition and stuff like just a lot of really funky stuff you could do there so that's a really fun one who i don't even think about because he's one of those guys where i have no idea what his range is i have him at like 10 so i sometimes don't even think of him here at 19 so uh really really fun pick there yeah i'm open to like a mark williams too if you were to drop tari eason um those are just guys that i feel like they fit great um i just did a mock draft um with a bunch of guys and i had the timberwolves and I got Ty Ty Washington at 19. That's kind of why I brought him up. Um, that was a Twitter mock draft, and I'd be stoked about that. How do you guys think Ty Ty Washington or Blake Wesley would fit with the Timberwolves? Who would you prefer between those? Blake Wesley Blake for me. Wesley. For, <laughs> by, yeah, by a we're, lot. Okay. We're, the big, we're big Blake Wesley fans Love over it. here. I think uh, – okay, one name that hasn't been brought up, and obviously – I had to bring it up because it's the Timberwolves and I love this fit so much. John Butler, it would be a reach for where I think he's probably projected, but a guy who can, I mean, it's not necessarily like they'd stay at 19 if he was there, probably even more likely that he's there for their second round targets, but uh, a guy who can really stretch the floor, like a legitimate shooter, not the Dwayne Dedman type, but like an actual shooter as a big um, and a guy who can, I think, be a decent rim protector despite the fact that he weighs like a buck 75 at seven <laughs> foot one. Um, he is a, one of the weirdest prospects I've ever evaluated. A guy who can really move like very, very mobile. Um, he just, he's just an oddball. He's funky, but uh, I think a guy that can fit between um, like Jaden McDaniels and towns, if you have that amount of spacing on the floor and that amount of length at one time, it's just really, really interesting to me. So I, I've been really banging the drum on on uh, John Butler to the Wolves, and I'll continue to do so until draft night. Is he essentially bull bull? <laughs> Except good. Except okay. If, if I, I he's mean, got a, he's got a neck that would size up a lot of freaking weirdos. Yeah, he's 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 mostly him and Dyson Daniels. These are the two guys in this draft who are it's like all neck. Yeah, like at least four inches of neck. But I think you know, I think the Bobo comp has come out before, and I think there's a like one Bobo super super injury prone. There hasn't been that history with with John Butler, and I also think like it's underrated that like Bobo was not like like there's a lot of stuff like he just isn't super into it, and like there hasn't been any of that reporting with Butler. Like I think Butler yeah. like. I think he's funky. I, I wouldn't think of him as a big. I'll say that, like, I still call him a big. I think of him more as, like, a giant wing. Uh, he's no, like Christian a, Wood. He's like a 3 and D wing. Uh, hopefully not but Christian not, Wood. But not no D. No well, D. Christian Wood, no D. Uh, I mean, Christian Wood can't play D right now. Christian Wood. No, Christian, no. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Wood's the worst defensive uh, player in the league this year. Yeah, Christian I mean, Wu, uh, I like that. I mean, he was very not locked in. It, it's it's funky. Like, 19, there's a lot of stuff that you can do. Uh I, I don't know if you've seen any of him, Zach, but and, and I don't know like where his range is. I think he's kind of pushing up this to, to this realm. Jake Laravia makes a lot of sense to mm. me here. I think he is another again, like if your goal is increase sort of the general feel on the roster, Laravia is a great passer, great cutter, great positional defender. Um, I think he can really shoot. Uh, I think it, I think he might be the best bet of anyone we've really talked about to come in and play like day one um you mentioned you mentioned Ty Ty and, and Blake Wesley I think those are that's like a fun two to compare we're all higher on Wesley but I actually do think like Ty Ty does make some sense here even though I'm, I'm probably a little bit lower on him than most 
I think um, just I, I think he could shoot and and Anthony Edwards is going to be your high you know your high level usage guy. Yeah. I, I think Ty Ty could scale back and 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 not be a high level pick yes. and roll guy and 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 play sort of that type of role. So I, I'd like to. I wish he was a little better defensively. I really do. But um, I think I think that's not horrible. I also think like this is definitely reach for him. But maybe as we talk about the second round, like Kennedy Chandler is a guy I I maybe like if you can get Kennedy Chandler at forty and and take a, a bet hey, on the wing. In that 19. draft I just did, I got him at forty eight. Hey, that's, I mean, that works. Like, I, I really like Kennedy Chandler's potential fit here. You talk about sort of, he, he's very similar to Jordan McLaughlin, but he's, you know, six years younger and I think has some more upside. Like, but you think like undersized, but but very bursty, very bouncy, and also like pretty smart. Like, I think that's that's Jordan McLaughlin. That's kind of Kennedy Chandler. And uh, I think there's even some extra upside with Chandler because Chandler's at least more willing to take like pull-up threes than McLaughlin ever was in college and and McLaughlin spent five years at USC compared to uh Kenny Chandler take spending one at Tennessee so that's some stuff I like there I think that's actually kind of a good transition to we'll talk about 40 and 48 and with guys I'm not hating any of those picks by the way guys I'm not I'm no, I, I, not I, I throwing like, them out I just think you're reaching on them but maybe Bochamp and, and I like I, I, I mean we're all here for the sort of back and forth stuff so it's it's no worries at all uh, I wanted to ask you before we moved on to 40 and 48 and, and sort of guys there, what do you think the chances that Timberwolves actually keep all three of these picks are? Do you think it's pretty low? What, do you even think like, like what are the possibilities of them trading 19? So like just in general, kind of talk us through uh, the trade possibilities here. So we just got this new all-star GM and Tim Conley. I mean, I, I consider him an all-star. I don't know what the consensus is on him because he's had, a lot of highs and lows and a lot of luck, some may say, uh, but we paid the house for him. So hopefully he's good. Uh, but who knows? I mean, literally I look at him as the guy that goes for unicorns and takes big swings on dudes and just goes for the best player available value wise, whoever has the highest ceiling. He doesn't really care about floor is how I judged him, but um, I mean, he's hit. He's hit on a lot of guys, um, and that's kind of – I've been more impressed by his draft selections than his trades, um, Connolly. So uh, mixing with Finch, I think Finch is going to have a pretty strong voice. I, I don't think we keep more than two of these picks, um, and I could see us maybe moving up if we had a strict guy and just a, a plug-and-play guy was there, but – at the same time, I mean, we still need way more upside and talent. Like, the team still is lacking that. So, um, it's never a bad thing to have a bunch of young guys and take a few swings at this. Um, and Tim Connolly seems like the guy that would do that. So, I'm just really – that's one thing I have no idea on, if we trade the second rounders or not. But having that many picks, usually you'd want to try to move up, um, send them off to OKC or – team with terrible depth or something but yeah it'd be interesting i i hope we try to maneuver up into the second round a little bit yeah and there's always you know i think it's it's kind of underrated that the teams who who want multiple second round picks lots of times are the better teams like you mentioned that have depth issues it's like like the nets could probably could maybe mm -hmm, be interested yeah. in 40 48 because they need cheap guys who they can they at least can can squint and see contributing early so 
Um, there's some interest. There's some some funk there that will probably happen. The second round is I call I would call one of these fit picks almost fake at 48. Like once you get past 45, 46, the draft really opens up, and then at once you get to 50, I I most of those picks are fake, right? Like like Bolsakopravicha getting drafted last year, that was a fake <laughs> pick, or Philip Petrosev, or or you know Raekwon Gray getting drafted and not even getting a contract. Like those are what I call fake picks. They're picks that are being made because you don't actually have all the options you want because you only want to give someone a two-way or, or not a contract at all. And obviously guys are not super happy with that. So um, you're kind of stuck with, with whoever is willing to just say, I got drafted and that's good enough for me. Yeah. Well, um, you got a lot of guys that choose not to get drafted and just mm-hmm. have their agent work their magic and say, I'd rather go pick my spot. I think at 40, they'll have, they would have their pick or if they traded up again, you might, you know, maybe a potential trade up with like, like the magic if the magic wanted two more second round picks to go up to like 36 and, and get someone. So Zach, I'll just throw this to you. Who are some targets you'd be, you'd be looking for at 40 and 48? So, I mean, dream wise, like I felt like I got really lucky in that draft, like Walker Kessler fell to me and that was what I felt like good draft minds um, at 40 Kennedy Chandler, 48. And then I got Ron Harper jr. At 50. I think all those guys, would look good in Timberwolves uniform and fit with the pieces that I've talked about. Um, I just, to me though, it's like a Jalen Noel pick. Like I just believe in his floor and believe in um, there's a ceiling there if he gets his opportunity. But um, just like those guys I just mentioned, I believe in all their floors. I just have no idea what their ceiling could be. Um, Johnny Juzang, JD Note, guys like that. I mean, I'm a, I'm an upside guy. I'm an upside and I value what guys do in, in NCAA and those are more polished guys. And those are the types of guys I normally go at the end of the second round. I mean, maybe we're a draft and stash when you got that many um, picks in the second round. I don't know who we'd even think about there that would be appealing that could fall that far. The guys um, I'm interested in would be more first round guys or beginning a second round um, for stash guys, maybe. Um, other than that, uh, that could fall. Jake Laravia would be sick. I think everything you mentioned, I, I believe in, and I just think he'd be a great. He, I don't know. I, I was about to say something really dumb, like uh, just a really glorious version of Balmero <laughs> with, with a shot. Um, but uh, that was just coming to me there. Uh, how stupid is this one? Uh, the ringer has him as Kyle Anderson, shades of Kyle Anderson. I'm, I don't know. I think Laravia's got a lot more. Laravia's, and, Laravia's a bit more connectory and a lot less like ball handler. Right. E and Laravia, I, Laravia can actually move. Hockey. <laughs> that's kind of right. the big difference. But. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't like a lot of the ringer. The ringer comps. I, I get why they do them because that like you got to get the comps. But Laravia is like I, I suck at comps. I don't know why I tried to make one. But, <laughs> That's uh, all right. I, I, I always say I always say Batum with with Laravia. If mm. like I had to come up with a comp, it's like what Batum was. I like that better. Yeah. Um, Zach, Faster. I want to throw a couple names at you. Uh, I want Trevor Keels, Christian Braun. Those would be dreamy but i got braun as a top 20 guy top 25 guy uh, keels could be there it really feels yeah. like keels could be at, at 
40. Um, he, he just announced like, as we're recording this, that he's, um, that he's like, he's staying in. So, uh, you know, he's staying in and, and that's funky. I think he'll, I think he could be there at 40. Um, I, I really like potentially Wendell Moore as well as Duke teammate. I think, uh, I think his, his range is maybe a little lower than some are expecting. He could go like first round, but he's also a guy I could see kind of slipping through the clap cracks to 40. And I think he'd be a great bet at just a connectory kind of two guard guy. Um, yeah. Uh, Coop stone, are there any names that kind of stand out to you? Um, and then I'll, I will actually get into some stash names if they do keep both picks. Cause I'm, I'm guessing more defense y'all in on that. Uh, I mean, not particularly. I think he's okay rotationally. I think he's he's pretty rough on the ball. He's long at least, so maybe he can make some plays. Um, but his screen nav is really bad, and and the footwork kind of needs some work. He doesn't get low in his stance very well. There's just some there's some 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 rough stuff there on the ball. But I think he could be a good rotational defender. I think he can shoot. I think he can make some plays. Not a bad like like scorer in isolation. Like if you need like a second unit guy who can maybe just if there's like six seconds on the shot clock, like it, you're not going to get a horrible shot. Like I think there's that in him. So there's some stuff there with more uh, Coop Stone. Were there any names that kind of stood out to you? Can we, can we combine really quickly Wendell Moore and Trevor Keels and get a first round? <laughs> I'm trying to think of who even like, like what's the cop of Keels and, and more combined. I don't even, I don't even know. That's like the weirdest player, player known to man. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 hey, it's a lower stance. I'll tell you that. It's yeah. it's tht who can who can shoot. I guess that's like who heals <laughs> and Wendell Moore is together. That's the, that's a good player. Someone who I I think I I don't know what his range is uh, because every time there's like a community mock, he ends up falling. But EJ Liddell uh, would be basically like a perfect selection for the Timberwolves. You know I, that? I'd consider him at nineteen, honestly. Yeah, like, I I can I. I'd consider him at, at, at like in the late teens. Like that's a good spot for him, but he could fall. I don't know why he would because he's like solid production, uh, great defender, super strong, can guard a lot of those bigger wing guys that, uh, you know, maybe the, like the Timberwolves don't really have somebody who can guard them. They have like backline guys, but I don't know if you want those guys guarding like the, the six, six to six, eight guys, uh, I'm just worried about his height in space. He's like six 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 seven. That's that's bigger than Grant Williams, right? Six five. I'm seeing. Is that that? Was that his height? The combine, uh, maybe. Honestly, I mean, there's a ton of guys that came in really small. That kind of changes it a little bit. Keon Keon Ellis Ellis. is six three. Um, Yeah, yeah, no, I was surprised to see that about Liddell too. Uh, Yeah, Uh, Stone. Were there any names that kind of uh, stood out to you? Uh, In the second, I mean. Uh, I feel like we bring it up every pod in the second. Uh, I'm not sure if he'd last quite this far, but Josh Minot is just, he fits with every team, honestly, like uh, a wing who can defend and pass a bit and uh, that you hope can, you know, eventually turn into more of a shooter than he he showed at Memphis. Um, I, I really, I think he fits with so many different teams. Uh, another guy that I think could be interesting would be Justin Lewis um for the wolves sort of that uh for backup forward who can shoot um and i think defend more than he showed at marquette uh really nuts wingspan and i think just has uh what you would want alongside uh some of the bigs that that um minnesota currently has so those would be sort of the two names that stand out to me 
Yeah, you guys are throwing out names that I'm haven't been considering or hearing from other people. So that's great. Yeah, there's some there's some funk here. I'm gonna throw out a couple um, international names because I think uh, they I think there's a real chance they stash um, at 48 if they keep both these picks. I just I think it's pretty unlikely they roster three rookies. I'm guessing that they make both these picks just just completely like this is maybe out of left field, but I, I would bet 40 is a two way and 48 is a stash. Uh, that's just probably that's just how I see things going when you're at the place the Timberwolves are. I don't think they have three or even two roster spots to spend on rookies i think they'd rather get one on a two-way and maybe both on a two-way but i think a stash is a likely option um obviously if if like Jovic falls to 48 if the intel's that bad on him that he just slips all the way down i could see him getting drafted and stashed uh ishmael kamagate i think actually is more realistic at like 48 i think he Mm. could be there and i think he's a potential stash guy i don't know Exactly. Again, it's hard to say because a player does have to agree to be stashed. So that's why sometimes it's not more high level names. It's guys who are a little lower. And that takes me to guys like Leonardo Kiki. I think he could be stashed. Um, you know, I, I don't think Spangolo is really draftable, but if they if they're just desperate for a stash, I think it could be him. Um, Gabriel Pushita is interesting. I, I, I don't know if he wants to be stashed because um, he's not like I don't know. He's funky. I could see him wanting to come over. Uh, and then Ziga Samar, I think, actually is probably going to be stashed. I think he I, – Ziga seems like someone who is going to be drafted and is going to be stashed. I just I, I just get that feeling. Um, so there's some there's some funk there they can do. Not a great international class if you want to stash guys. But, I mean, we've seen teams go out of their way to draft not draftable players so they could stash someone like Big Krejci and uh philip petrostev guys who were barely even on the radar uh <laughs> get drafted get stashed so yeah there's some funk there um something we like to ask all our guests before we sort of wrap things up is kind of what their dream scenario is so zach it can be just saying it like if you could just pick three guys at 1940 and 48 or if it's a trade just what's your kind of dream scenario with the timberwolves here Ooh, it'd be a trade for J.I., um, Miles Turner. I mean, those are realistic dreams. I mean, Harrison Barnes, those, those type of guys. Uh, and I, I do feel those three guys are all guys that could be on the move. Uh, even maybe OG, but I just don't know if um, Toronto wants a bunch of picks because I don't think we have the players to give Toronto for OG um, or player, that is. Um, but it is interesting to think because we could have five potential spots opening up. I mean, Okogi, uh, Torian Prince, guys, they were rotational guys from a lot of the year um, that would be opening up. And uh, Jalen and Jaden, I mean, they're on uh, team options. I, I'm guaranteeing we'll option those guys both back in. But, um, yeah, there could be five to – Jake Lehman's another one. Um, so they, they take up space. So why not get rookies with upside? Um, outside of trades, though, uh, for draft picks, I mean, I love the EJ Lydell um, idea. I'd like to know his exact height because I am seeing some 6'5 to 6'7 different places now. Uh, but um, I don't know. Colloquial in the second round would be great. But uh, for me, dreams would be a guy like Tari Eason, Ochai, somebody like that, that'd be fall that far. Um, uh, Mark Williams, um, 
those would be the best players I think that could fall. Uh, Bochamp, I think, would be solid. Malachi Branham, those guys. If we made any of those selections, I'd be ecstatic, honestly. So, Han, I mean, it's a wide range, and I think there's good defensive wing potential um, in this draft, um, especially around that range, and that's kind of why I'm excited for that pick at 19. But um, 40, I won't be that stoked if we do a stash. I do like Ishmael. I mean, that's probably the only name I know much about that you mentioned, I think. Um, there's potential he could actually make it back over sometime across the pond. Uh, but uh, other than that, it's really hard to say a dream at 40-48. Um, getting Walker Kessler in that um, Twitter draft I did was pretty dope. I mean, Kennedy Chandler at 48. So that's that's kind of where I'm thinking, just spitballing. Yeah, we didn't talk about Tar Eason, but we probably should have because that's that's my guy. It's another PNW guy. I'd love to see. Just just let the Pacific Northwest players infect the whole league. You know, pretty soon it's going to be run by by everyone, and then eventually, as soon as Seattle gets a team, we'll all they'll all conglomerate back here. So that's a really matters. But no, uh, in all seriousness, you guys deserve it. I want to see it. I hope so soon. Uh, Zach, this was great. Uh, we can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, all your stuff will be linked down in the description of this podcast, but just so people can hear if, if they're too lazy to click on something, let the people know where they can find you and all your great work. Yeah. Great catching up with you guys. Fun show. Uh, Noble and Roo show ball is life. Um, basically anywhere all over ball is life. Um, we've had 65 plus current players on um, 180 plus guests overall. Basically that's what we're known for just chopping it up with big time guests and having a fun time. We'll have a bunch of prospects on coming up, just released with Kevin Herter. Um, that was a fun one. Um, talked some shit on the Knicks. Got pulled over by the cops. That was a pretty good story before game three in the playoffs. Um, they, they won that game. He shit the bed. But, um, yeah, just fun story in his mom's minivan. But uh, check us out, Noble and Russo, Zach Noble on Twitter. I'm always chopping it up with whoever. So fun, fun show, guys, and keep up the great draft work you guys do. Yeah, thank you. I can't recommend that Kevin Herter pod enough. Uh, as someone who's who's one of my older best friends is is uh, he's a six eleven redhead, and <laughs> being in a car with him when he gets pulled over is is a blast because uh, I ask him to step out of the car and he's a foot and a half taller than the cop. So that's uh, it's it's a uh, it's a different life when you're that tall, man. You you have no inhibitions. You're just a just just a different human being. But this was this was incredible. Again, thanks so much, Zach. All your stuff will be linked down below. Uh, give him a follow. Give his show a follow. A lot of great interviews there. For Stone, at report underscore court. For Coop, at alley underscore oop underscore Coop. For me, at Bryce at the 14. Give us a like, rating, review, all that fun stuff on your podcasting app of choice. This has been the Upside Swings to be a draft podcast. We hope we are ceiling. Thank you. We once again like to thank our sponsors at globalshopsolution.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at globalshopsolutions.com. Thank you.